Hey guys, welcome back. It's Nick and G-Fly. This week we're going to be talking about education and immigration in Memphis, specifically Shelby County Schools. Last week we put up a poll on the website and this is the issue you guys chose. We are so glad you guys enjoyed our last podcast and next week we might even dive into the topic of internalized racism that hinders the growth of the black male population. But we don't know if y'all are ready for that conversation. Disclaimer, this podcast is not an actual reoccurring segment, but sponsors, call us. So first, we're going to go over some quick demographics and stats so you all are really aware of how important this issue is. Immigration has increased tremendously over the recent years in the U.S., especially in the state of Tennessee. The foreign-born population in the U.S. has basically skyrocketed from 1975 to present day. With such a big increase in the immigration population, the number of immigrant students have also increased greatly as well. It is reported that the human Um, The Hispanic school age population has increased by 322% between 1990 and 2000 alone, that decade alone. We are having more and more immigrant children enter a new environment and it is our responsibility as a country and as a state to help them learn and succeed just as any other native born child. However, our education system, especially in Tennessee, fails to do so. We are expecting young, non-English speaking children to not only adjust to the American culture and environment, deal with possible trauma of leaving their home country, but also magically adapt to the American education system and graduate at the same time as their same age native peers. And while expecting all this, we do not provide adequate funding and or programming to get these children to our expectations. The lack of ESO teachers, the lack of funding for technology and programs, the lack of trauma and health support are all major issues in Tennessee, especially Shelby County schools. While visiting and interacting with multiple schools and educators in Memphis um, that are attempting to fix this issue, we have learned and been able to see the underlying problems of Shelby County Schools education system and its negative impact on its immigrant students. So our second site visit was the Refugee Empowerment Program, which is also known as REP. Um, So this is um, a program that assists over 400 refugees in the Memphis area. Um, What's crazy to me and what basically adds on to this issue is that the woman that started this program was a woman named Ruth Lomo, who herself was a refugee from South Sudan. She saw the major issues of education and support for refugees and basically had to take the initiative to create her own after-school tutoring program, which eventually blew up and became REP. Um, so REP does many things for refugees. They provide after school school programs, summer enrichment programs, community outreach, cultural, cultural programs. And what I love especially is that they also provide adult education classes, such as preparing for the citizenship test. Um, it's not just difficult on the child, but also the adult who has to take care of the child, go to work, and have all these responsibilities piled on them once they enter America. So it's really awesome to see that REP is also helping to support the parents as well, um, and not just be a daycare, but also but really a learning facility. Um, 
So that's awesome. And then also, even though most of the immigrant population in Tennessee and in the U.S. as a whole comes, most of them come from Spanish-speaking countries, it's important to recognize the number of refugees that also, that, that um, usually come from African countries. So REP serves many people, such as the Sudanese, the Burundians, Somali, Congolese, etc. So many. And they also have Hispanic students as well but not as much as compared to the number of African students that they have. Um, RAP also benefits off the support of volunteers, which is how I was able to find out about them in the first place. Um, and all, but all in all, RAP is an excellent program that is, no, that, is no, that is known in Memphis to assist and support refugee students um, that Shelby County Schools seem to have a hard time doing. Um, it is also, but um, basically, while it is recognized by Shelby County Schools, Shelby County Schools do recognize this program, but for some reason, they do not really seem to provide much funding and support for REP. Because when you visit REP, um, when we visit, you can definitely see the need of funding. So the biggest issue I saw was this, the lack of space. Um, it, all the students, basically had to learn and play in one small space. Um, so they definitely need a bigger space. Also, they're in desperate need of improvements to the space, that one space that they're in, and also better technology, because we're in a different society than we were years ago. New technology, students need to be accustomed to that. Um, so it's that's, that's also something that they are in need of. Um, also, while volunteering, I was disappointed at the lack of attention that high school students received in terms of homework and educational assistance. Um, most of their focus is usually put on elementary school kids. Um, when you look at it in a whole, it, it makes sense because they're at the, when you look at the numbers, they serve more elementary and middle school students than high school students, but those students should not be neglected either. They should also be supported and helped. Also, there isn't any real type of trauma or emotional support programs um, in REP, but at the end of the day, REP can only do so much with what they have, um, and they're already doing a lot for the Memphis community. It is really important and really, it's really up to Shelby County to address and ultimately step up to fix these issues. Um, I was able to actually have a personal phone interview with um, one of the founders of REP, who is a Rhodes alumni, Sarah Babb, and I was able to learn more about REP and her work in the program. So could you just go ahead and have a listen to that interview? Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, what's I'm a Rhodes alumna, too. Oh, you went to Rhodes? Mm-hmm, I oh, did. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah, I loved it. That's how I found my career with REP. Oh, that's great. Um, so, I guess the first question is like just a brief overview of what you do with REP. Sure. I am REP's associate director. Mm-hmm. So, I support our executive director in fundraising, communications and outreach, program oversight, monitoring and evaluation. I really mm-hmm. wear a lot of hats. Um, I helped found REP. Yeah. In 2000, I mean, 2007, really. It took us a while to get established. Um, But I've done all kinds of things, um, like building their educational component as well. Uh 
That's great. So you started basically when you graduated from Rhodes, right? Yeah, I started as a volunteer my last semester at Rhodes. Uh-huh. Someone told me that there were volunteer uh, that there were refugees in Memphis um, at this uh, small after school program, and it blew my mind. I was like, "What? I'm from yeah. Memphis, and I'm an international <laughs> studies major at Rhodes. How do I not know yeah. that this is the case?" Um, and so I went, and it was like maybe. 30 kids, mm-hmm. and uh, I was so moved by the vision of uh, Ruth Lomo, mm-hmm. who was the Sudanese woman, she's a refugee, who was uh, the impetus behind the program, and then yes. Cam Eccles Blackman, who at the time was doing a different job within the same building and mm-hmm. supporting REP kind of on the side, mm-hmm. and she's now REP's executive director, and I was just so inspired by their vision um, and leadership that I said I'd stay for five years and help them grow it into an independent organization. Okay, wow, that's great. Um, so I guess just a little bit of more info about REP. Could you, like, explain, like, the demographics of the students there? So, like, their age, like, the median age or where they're from and also the languages that most of them speak? Um, well, one important thing to know is that our demographics shift over time. Uh-huh. Um, so whenever there has been historically a large influx of new refugees, they typically come to REP immediately. We don't really have to do much outreach because we are so connected to the community that people just get referred upon arrival. And sometimes they even arrive having known about us already. Oh, wow. Okay. So we've had a large contingent of Burundians in the past. Um, we've had a we've had a lot of Somalis over time because the Somali refugees continue to come pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. We have now a lot of Congolese. We've had a lot of uh, Bhutanese, a lot of Sudanese. Um, it really changes depending on the demographic, uh, depending on who is coming in as refugees. Um, and then to, uh, groups will stay for varying amounts of time. Mm-hmm. The Sudanese and Somali refugees tended to stay around for quite a while, as did the Burundians, because they did not have a lot of educational and communal support because they've been in refugee camps for decades. Wow. Versus some other communities that had a little bit more support, um, like the Iraqis and the Afghanis, they tend to move out to more uh, suburban areas and buy, like, larger family homes and live together rather than staying in the city because they have, like, the connections and the background and the experience to know how to do that. Mm -hmm. So often REP works longest with refugee groups that have been what we call warehoused, which means basically stuck, which you may already know this, but, like, stuck in refugee camps for decades where their, you know, job and education prospects are really limited. Wow. So we serve approximately 400 individuals right now about – 275 of which are school-aged or younger children. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of our kids are in elementary school, and we have a significant number in middle and high as well. And in the past five years, we've also started welcoming many more Latinx students because our refugee students were were inviting their Latinx um, classmates to join. Mm -hmm. And our executive director said, you know, sure, we're here to serve newcomers, so, you know, yeah. whatever their documentation status is, doesn't matter to us. We're open to all. So we actually serve refugees and immigrants now. Mm-hmm. So with the wide variety of refugees from all these places, do you think there's a sufficient, is there a sufficient number of volunteers that speak um, some of their languages, their home languages? Well, we, t- we typically don't ask volunteers to speak in their native languages because mm-hmm. staff can't understand what's going on. 
Um, And that creates a little bit of a a safety concern for us. Plus, we promote uh, native languages at home because it's so important for the students to continue that connection with their families and communities and home cultures. But we encourage and often insist upon English at our after-school program. And that is to foster a spirit of unity in the program, um, to encourage the development of English language skills, and to allow staff to know what's being said so they can respond to situations. So we look for people uh, from the community as much as we can to hire Mm -hmm. who speak the languages and can, you know, work with the community on that level. And plus, when we hire people, there's a level of accountability to REP as well. Versus a volunteer, there's, you know, only so much you can demand of them. Yeah. Um, So I guess to go on with schooling, um, what school do most of the students attend? Uh, they probably, they attend about eight different schools, Okay. but the majority attend Brewster, Brewster, okay. elementary, um, Lester prep. That's, I think the elementary and middle and high school at Lester, mm-hmm. or it's called Cornerstone prep. Cornerstone prep is elementary, Lester prep is the middle school. Um, a lot at Central, some at Gramwood and the smattering at like Kingsbury, but the majority are Brewster, Lester prep. Um, Cornerstone Prep, and then recently Binghampton Christian Academy in Binghampton asked REP to take over their after-school program because of the success that we've had. And um, Binghampton Christian Academy has a number of Sudanese students in particular. So now we have about 90 students who attend that school, and we have an independent program for them that started in August. Oh, oh, August of this year? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's the first time we branched out like that. Wow, it's really good. Um, so do you think any of these schools provide, uh, I know some, in your opinion, do they provide an adequate ESL program, like especially for the high school students? Adequate is a hard question, you know, because we can yeah. ask whether or not these schools offer an adequate educational experience for kids who don't speak, uh, who speak English, you know, yeah. do, are the native born getting adequate? Um. I would know that most of the students could definitely benefit from additional support. Mm-hmm. So I hate I hate to label the schools by saying like no, they do not do a good enough job yeah. um, because it sounds you know it's a very harsh criticism, especially when the schools are struggling to educate students overall, especially ESOL. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. often what we find is the most successful and impactful are individual teachers. Systemically, right. the policies and the amount of money and the curricula available to the EOS, ESOL students are an issue, but the biggest thing is having good teachers. So do you think it's like the the lack of the amount of good teachers there are there to um, provide these ELS, adequate ESOL programs, or like what did you, what do you mean by like the teachers? So what, what has the biggest impact on student success and whether or not a program could be considered adequate comes down to the teacher. How knowledgeable is the teacher about actually engaging a student in the material? Mm-hmm. How much does the teacher act as an advocate for the student, but within the school and, you know, bridging the gap between home and school? Because often the parents are brushed aside because they're unfamiliar with the culture. They don't speak English. And mm-hmm. so because the schools are so overwhelmed by everything that they're supposed to be doing, they often don't try very hard to involve parents. Okay. And it's really important, you know, for children's success for parents to be involved. Yes. 
And so unless you've got a really strong teacher or you've got somewhere like REP mm-hmm. who encourages the parents to be involved and included and aware of what's happening in their kids' lives, they just get brushed aside. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I guess as a last question, um, do you believe that Shelby County um, recognizes REP's work as important and vital for Memphis, or do they um, push programs like yours aside? No, I would say they definitely do. Um, okay. REP has been around since uh, 2000, let's see, when did we get our official name? 2007, I believe, is when we were established, 2008, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And so we've had quite a while to work and build these relationships. So we work with a number of their partners, like Seeding Success. Yes. And so on a, it's been very recently on an institutional level, Shelby County Schools appreciates us. But over time, we've developed relationships with individual teachers and school administrators as well. That's been important. Uh, could you explain Seeding Success? I'm not aware of that. <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> I'm not really, it's a little bit nebulous to me too. It's okay. a collaborative of uh, education providers that come together to share information about best practices and to encourage collaboration between the different components of what goes into a child's education to try to improve it overall. Oh, wow. I don't know a lot about them, Mm -hmm. um, but this has been a relatively recent connection with REP. Oh, wow. Well, that's really great. That's all the questions that I have for you, but thank you so much for taking your time to um, do this interview for me. I really appreciate it. Of course. If you have any follow-up questions later, don't hesitate to reach out. Yeah, no, of course I will. Thank you so much. Sure. Good luck with your project. Thank you. Have a good night. Bye. Hey, y'all. It's G-Fly here. Our first site visit was the Newcomer Center in Wooddale High School, which is on Scottsdale Avenue here in Memphis. It's a predominantly black school, but these newcomer students are the... um, ones that diversify the school. The program basically began in um, September with seven students, and by the end of the first year, they were serving 60 students, and the capacity right now is 90. The program started because parents were complaining that SCS, SCS, Shelby County School, were turning away their students from the regular public schools and they didn't have any way to um, help their children learn. So these parents were really enthusiastic about helping their kids um, get a better education. And the overwhelming majority of the students at the school speak Spanish, but others speak Fulani, which is a Nigerian language, Arabic, French, and Vietnamese. So they serve a wild, wide variety of um, students from different areas um, around the world. And 93% of the students are from Guatemala, and other countries include some African countries, Afghanistan, Central America. And so we can see here that is recent um, recent migration to America is matching how these um, student, student populations are looking like. And so the requirements to be a newcomer is first, you have to meet the age requirements so you can't be above 21. And by the time you enter the school, you should leave before you turn 21 because that's how school is here in America. And you have to have had prior schooling and the length of time that you've been in the US is also important in which that counts you as a newcomer. So the newcomers program, essentially what the um, objectives and the goals of this um, great initiative is to help these newly arrived students become better English speakers. We want to um, deliver good content in which they can learn to assimilate and better acclimate themselves in the U.S. school system. And so we are, but then there's also an initiative to um, strengthen and build their native language skills, which I think is 
really important and powerful in the fact that there's not a, um, a we don't create an aversion to their native languages, but they're able to speak English and speak Spanish, or if it's Fulani, or if it's Vietnamese, and they can comfortably live as immigrants in the U.S. And so some difficulties that newcomer students have is the fact that the age cutoff and just having to learn English and compete in such a um, competitive school system, or at least for them in trying to get um, the good test scores and doing well in class and things like that. But um, there's a lot of positives um, about these newcomer students that they bring a new perspective and they help broaden the views of the native English speakers that they go to school with. Um, I've had the pleasure of working with a newcomer student this semester. Her name is Divine, and she's from Rwanda, and it has really impacted my um, understanding of the immigrant experience because I, myself, am an immigrant. I came here in 2007 from Nigeria, but my immigrant um, experience is much different from Divine's. Divine is a refugee, and she um, came here last year with her family, and she grew up in a refugee camp. So just learning about her immigrant experience and how she has um, learned to acclimate, but acclimate herself to the U.S. and is learning English and how um, different it is for her than it was for me has really been eye-opening, and I think that a lot of the students in her school can learn from that. And so it's also important to... Um, Notice that newcomers are an important asset to the global economy as a whole, and they um, really do bring a valuable uh, contribution to the social and economic um, vitality of this nation. Like it is a very um, important thing that we continue to empower these students because of the great work that they are doing and the great work that their teachers are doing. So. Memphis and Shelby, Shelby, Shelby County Schools as a whole should really think to um, continue to fight for this program because it has worked in other places. Um, as we, my partner um, Nick and I, we went to um, Winchester Elementary and we spoke with one of the ESL teachers there, Natalie James, as well as the bilingual mentor, Mr. Luis, about the ESL program and about how the um, immigrant students are better acclimating themselves to Memphis and how they're learning about the education system and how they are just better being um, taught better and how to really just do well. And so um, one thing about Winchester Elementary, like Wooddale, it is predominantly black, but these students are also from similar backgrounds, being from Guatemala, Honduras, and um, a lot of different countries in Central America. And one thing that Natalie James brings up in an interview, which we will share later, is the fact that there are models in Nashville that are working really well with this newcomer program and they have been highlighted and doing an amazing job and that can be implemented here in Memphis but it's a matter of funding and it's a matter of um, Memphis seeing the importance of these students and the value that they bring to the education system. So one thing that I found interesting was that um, reading an article in New Channel, um, Channel 5 News Nashville is that um, the Newcomer Academy, which is one of the um, newcomer schools that is partnered between a um, STEM, preparatory, um, STEM Preparatory Academy and Metro National Public Schools, and they have um, come together to form Newcomer Academy where students are thriving and doing amazingly with English comprehension scores, and they have more than 130 students in 20 countries under um, the leadership of the school director that is um, leading this program. So it is really powerful to see that this is possible and that this change and that this work can be done. 
but that we have to come together as a community, not only the schools, but then other programs like RP, which Nick has talked about before, and just all the different things that Memphis has to offer can really um, do a good thing with the growing population of immigrants in this city. As we know, there are many refugees here and they need to go to school and they want to go to school and they can be helped. So I think that it is really um, sad to see that Memphis as a whole has been abandoned and forgotten. The city that has been um, known for his blues music and rock and roll has now like been riddled with food deserts and abandoned streets of what had what used to be and gentrified neighborhoods. So it's no surprise that Shelby County schools are also um, feeling the weight of this demise that to in order to better serve this growing population, there needs to be change and these deep-rooted issues that are in Memphis need to be addressed by the governors and the um, really the state um, by the government here and that that change needs to happen first before we can talk about the education system because those things will continue to um, hinder any progress that we can make. Um, as I mentioned before, my partner and I, we attended Winchester Elementary. We had the pleasure of speaking with the ESL teacher, Natalie James, and the bilingual mentor, Mr. Luis, about the ESL programs. And now we're going to take a listen to that interview. So they're going to record us. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Thank you. You want to send me to Yale? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, um... This is the um, new addition to the. Could you give us just like a brief overview of what you do here and what your. Um, yes. Okay. Well, I'm actually the uh, bilingual mentor. Okay. Um, I work with uh, all the uh, ESL students. Mm -hmm. Then um, I primarily deal with the parents, mm -hmm. translating, uh, explaining, showing how the American system education works. Right. Mm -hmm. And then. Uh, I help Miss uh, James or ESL team, mm -hmm. whatever we need to do. So, are there a lot of bilingual mentors in Memphis? Is this a um, citywide? Well, primary we have uh, one for each school. Um, mm -hmm. there is uh, there are schools like uh, I don't know the ones on Summer. Mm -hmm. They have two or okay. three, depends on the amount of mm -hmm. students they have. So would you say you need more? Is one sufficient for the whole school? Depends on the amount of the students. Mm -hmm. okay. yeah. um, so what are the demographics of students here? And like, what language do they speak? What are their home countries mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the immigrant population? Um, we have from Guatemala, mm -hmm. Mexico, Salvador, mm -hmm. Nicaragua, and uh, Puerto Rico, you know, even though it's American. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty much right now. Okay. And then, uh, and then the African Africans. Africans. They're mostly from Senegal. Senegal. And they speak Fulani. Mm -hmm. Okay. First time hearing that. I'm French. Uh, In French, yeah. Okay. So how are we, um, well, since you're a bilingual mentor, how are, how do you think that y'all are, um, how well do you think you guys are doing to catering to their needs and like their home languages as well as like the other like African students, if any, if that's even possible, which I don't think it is. Well, just hearing from what y'all said, how are y'all um, better like supplementing their education to where they can understand things better? Well, in my my experience, by me being here or you know, another bilingual mentors in different places, 
it's uh, easier for them because um, when they're new to the country, they don't understand right. their new new. So we explain them how everything works, and then um, we show them, you know, how's the American system basically, mm -hmm. and they feel more comfortable. I know that when, when I'm trying to help them adjust in the classroom, I just try to repeat processes and behaviors. So we do a lot of similar things at the same times and the process of the class tries to go. Uh, I try to make it flow the same way each day so that it's not unclear about what's coming up next. So this is like just an ESL class, so like everyone in this class is like English learning? Is yes. that how that, okay, good. Yes. So they're not, they're all the same. Uh, are there any programs that y'all have or like activities that like celebrate their cultural like, like to like help them stay connected to like their home countries in their home language and not like create like be to like hate that part of themselves because like they want to assimilate to like American culture mm -hmm. so um, actually it was September mm -hmm. or May no September August August September I think it was the end of September yeah there's like a the Spanish Heritage Month. Okay. And it was last month, right? Yeah. Celebrate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what August of September, but um, yeah, the whole um district wide, even you know, US celebrates. Right. And um, we do like um, this last time we did like a parade, mm -hmm. and um, they all um, walk around the school and uh, you know greeting people, throwing candy with music and. Uh, then uh, years uh, before we have uh, bringing people for dancings and then um, food and beverages. So we try to show the old students what they eat, what they believe, what they wear. And uh, it's been real nice. Mm -hmm. And then um, there's the Black History Month, right? Mm -hmm. That Africans as well has done that. Do you feel that um, the students that come from like Guatemala and Nicaragua and all these like from different countries do they feel accepted here or are they like ostracized and have to stick together do you see any of that happening or is like everyone welcoming to everyone they feel accepted I mean mm -hmm. always the language is a challenge yeah. you know it is a challenge but um, overall they feel accepted and one thing that we try to do is uh, kind of group them two or three in one class and they feel supported each other. Right. Okay, that's good. And then the teachers, like um, you know, Miss James and our teachers, help them in that way, mm -hmm. and they feel pretty good. Like climax, you know. I think that the African families, just from what I heard that from the mom this morning, she kind of feels a little bit isolated. Mm -hmm. Like she doesn't have as much of a community yeah. as mm -hmm. um, she would hope for. But there's just a smaller population of the African children here, and then this community. So, do you um, like relegate them to like REP and other programs that would have yeah, African when, or when we were close? He would, yeah. Right. The, the school yeah, it's, it's too too <coughs> great a distance, mm -hmm. um, and I don't know that they are classified as refugees. I think they are immigrants. Okay, okay. So they see that um, too. Yeah, yes. When I was at the other school in uh, North Memphis, closer to REP, I worked mm -hmm. with REP. Mm -hmm. Um, so do y'all know what the newcomers program is? 
Yes, you do. Okay. Because well, because I um I'm in an education and immigration class, and so we go to the we go to the um Woodale High School where they have the newcomers, and we work with them, mm-hmm. and they kind of felt like they're like isolated and people don't know about them or don't know that that's an option. So have y'all ever um well, because I mean these this is elementary school, not high school. But I did middle school last year. So th- there is a middle school newcomers program here. No, but you can be in middle school and go if you're at the right age in eighth grade. Oh. Yeah, it's like so a, that a little is very thin. right. Yeah. Okay. Mm. I think we 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 could definitely benefit, and I think in Nashville they use newcomer programs do, housed sure. inside of schools. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that if you have like a large population of newcomers, you mm-hmm. send them to this special. And I've always we've always advocated for that, but mm-hmm. it's never been feasible for some reason. Just do that here in Memphis. Mm-hmm. So do you think that? falls on the Shelby County schools as a whole, the district. <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> right? But like, um, yeah, I do. I do think it's there. Like, I think that we have that, we've seen the model of it yeah, in, in Nashville, and I think it's successful, um, especially if there's like a, just a large influx of people that comes at the same time, yeah. which can happen. Um, yeah, I think that it's super beneficial for them to have those extra years sheltered so that they can gain as much it's, it's not what we do here is not fair to push them into their grade levels and to right. expect for them mm-hmm. to succeed on grade mm-hmm. level isn't fair. So what? How should I put? So how? What like pop? What percentage of ESL students now do you think would benefit from like going to a newcomers program instead of being in ESL in this school? In this school, yes. Um, do <laughs> uh, maybe three bilches. In the villages, yeah. And then first grade, like six, six, seven. Yeah, not too many here. Okay, so not too, okay, that's that's good. Less than 10. Mm -hmm. Less than 10. So do you think that, like, implementing a newcomer's program, even if it is just less than 10, is that still something that Shelby County School should work towards having in each school, especially in Memphis that a lot of immigrants come here. I think that you would have, so what we do for ESL is we have sites and then you can bust them into that site. I think that we should just have a site for elementary and a site for middle school mm-hmm. and then just bust them to the location, to the school that's closest yeah. so that they're mm-hmm. receiving whatever services they need. That's what we, that's how SPED works and the ESL program, if you are um, zoned outside of a, you're at another school that doesn't have ESL, we'll provide transportation for you to get ESL services at your closest school, whatever ESL school site's closest. So it could work the same way, just use a newcomer's program housed inside of schools. We've talked about this for years, I think. Oh, this has already been a topic of conversation. (laughs) The newcomer's goal is like our breakthrough. It's like, okay, we're actually kind of getting somewhere with it, but um, what it, that's still not what it should look like in Memphis with the mm-hmm. volume of students with that we have. how many we need right. to cater to. need that's there. Mm-hmm. So where, I'm just curious now, like where would we, how would we begin that like shift? Like where do you go to like say that we need more newcomer programs? Like where does it start? Like who? I know that the ESL department has always advocated for it, mm-hmm. so it has to be, to me, it's a, probably a funding issue. Do you have a name? Pam Eccles, mm-hmm. that refugee empowerment. I want to write her name. Write that down. Yeah. 
Um, she is a wealth of information about that and just about um, refugees and newcomers, and she provides a lot of services to them at our Refugee Empowerment okay. Program. And so, um, yeah, it could, it could, it could happen. To mm-hmm. me, it's money. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, everything <coughs> runs with money, so right. with money, employment, places, mm-hmm. everything. <laughs> right. I think it would be a good opportunity if more programs would open up, build open up more job opportunities too, and that yeah. could be really helpful here. And even like the families that speak the languages that the students speak, like we could hire some of them to come in and you know train them to be the ones to supplement teaching or not to do your job essentially but maybe supplement you and your like so I think that would be cool. thank you mm-hmm. thank you about that um, all the questions I think we have oh, yeah. that's all we got thank you all so much <laughs> yeah, yeah no problem you. you should definitely try to contact mm-hmm. her she has lots of ideas and she's also right around the corner from you We can see now that this issue is bigger than Memphis. It's a countrywide issue. It's an issue um, about schools being big businesses that are abandoning the well-being of their students and focusing on making money from curriculum. That is something that I talked about, that we talked about with Ms. Natalie James, about curriculum needing a lot of work and the fact that ESL students are expected to perform on the same level as English-speaking students who themselves struggle with the level of difficulty that is presented in that same curriculum. And she teaches at an I-Zone school, which is a school that is at the bottom 5% of Shelby County schools based on test scores. And the the students are staying in school for an extra hour to allow for one-on-one intervention. And so they have more funding for the students to reach those state standards. But once those standards are reached, the funding is taken away. So there's a lot of pushback on the... um, the efficiency of these I-Zone schools and how they are being implemented in Shelby County. And so in our discussion with Natalie James, she basically highlighted the fact that this is um, bigger than Memphis and it's the fact that schools are being treated like business and they're not caring about the success of each individual child, but rather companies that have been doing this for years that have been um, in charge of curriculum are basically churning them out year by year and especially states like Texas and Alabama who have a lot of say in what is being written and what history is being taught and what history is being erased these students are being failed and there is just a need for the curriculum to fit the students and it should cater to the styles of the teachers and we need to be less obsessed with how students look on paper and their test scores but we need to see them as future leaders of tomorrow that need support to succeed. Okay, G5, we talked about a lot. Let's just go ahead and wrap things up and summarize everything in a few points. So we talked about REP and the big business that is the schools today, and we talked about the Newcomer Center, but now we need to talk about what is the solution. First of all, it's a no-brainer. Teachers need to be paid, and the government needs to intervene, and our community needs to work together to help these kids. Well, I think that's all we've got for y'all today. Thank you guys for tuning in. See you next time.